none other than the great congressman, the greatest New York politician ever, and a dear friend of Bernie and Sid, Peter King, is uh, hosting the event. I'm going to show up with Danielle for a little bit to help Peter out, but it's all about Paul King in Bell Harbor coming up tomorrow night. So, Peter, I'm looking very much forward to seeing you at this lovely place tomorrow night. Yeah, Sid, I tell you, uh, first of all, thanks for the intro and Senator Bernie there. Uh, it, it should be a great night. The only concern I have is with you there. Nobody's uh, going to notice me. Nobody's <laughs> going to notice Paul King. They're going to think you're running for Congress. Uh, you know. So uh, no, but yeah, this this is great. I am. I. No one can find a better place for you to live in, really, than Bell Harbor. That is that is Sid Rosenberg country. It's you know a lot of Irish, a lot of Italians down there, but Sid Rosenberg, you fit in more than anyone because they are so patriotic. Uh, flags fly everywhere. There's so many cops and firefighters down there, veterans. They suffered badly on 9-11, uh, and they, they really represent the best of America. So I am looking forward to doing this event tomorrow night. I'm proud to be down there. And having you there really, I think, personifies what Bell Harbor is all about. I don't know how you survived the West Side all these years. <laughs> but, uh, I tell you, you certainly belong in Bell Harbor. Well, Bernie knows what I'm talking about. Yes. Those, those people in those communities are just the yeah. salt of the earth. They're smart, they're good, and they're patriotic. No, they really are, and uh, I'm loving living there. I, like you said, flags, every block, every house, uh, just an incredible group of people. And, uh, you know, they're really treating me like I'm some type of major superstar. People actually stop by my house and take selfies. Uh, every day get stopped in the street two or three times. It's been an amazing six or seven weeks. But quickly, before Bernie, uh, Bernie's back, uh, uh, Paul King. That was the FBI. It was coming by taking pictures right. of you. Know, <laughs> I know. Uh, uh, Paul King, what kind of guy is this guy running for Congress? Yeah, I've only spoken to him a few times. I see his record. He's active in the community. He really wants to run on a uh, you know, America first policy. He believes in strong local community control. So to me, uh, he's the type of person you need in politics. Uh, he's uh, dedicated to making this race. He has very dedicated people around him. I mean, I have any number of people from Bell Harbor and from that district calling me, uh, you know, saying what a great guy he is. So I am really, really looking forward to it. Congressman Peter King on the Bernie and Sid Show. Uh, sir, always a pleasure to speak to a great colleague like Congressman Peter King, who you can hear on Cats at Night as well, oftentimes during the week at 5 o'clock. Congressman, uh, the, the president, I call him the imbecile in chief, but I don't want to do that in front of you because I have respect for you, sir. So President Biden actually wrote an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal yesterday uh, outlining what he's going to do to fight inflation and 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 the rising prices at the pump, of which uh, today another record four dollars and sixty seven cents a gallon. Wow! Now he said he said nothing. He said absolutely nothing in the op-ed. By the way, he didn't write any damn op-ed. But the, uh, I mean, he has the he's the one person who has the sole power to re- reduce inflation overnight or, or to alleviate it somewhat by opening, as John Katzmatidis would say, opening the spigots. And allowing for the Keystone Pipeline to be built and utilizing our fossil fuels that are underneath our feet. We have plenty of them. We could do it, and he won't do it. What do you say to that? Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. Listen, often you have economic issues can overtake your country, overtake the president. You really can't blame a president for it. But in this case, these are self-inflicted wounds. I mean, one of the first things he did when he became president was shut down the Keystone Pipeline. That sends a signal out that we were anti-energy in this country, anti-energy independence. They make it so difficult for any type of exploration. Now, this is all self-induced. We went from being totally energy independent to now being dependent. And uh, 
so there's two things. One, he is to blame for this. I agree with John Casperitidis that we could end it so quickly just by opening the spigots again. But the, the other thing is that, to me, the worst, the worst characteristic of a person that's supposed to be a leader is somebody who blames the people around them, blames events beyond his control. You're elected to be president. You're elected to be head of a company to straighten out the problems, to address them, not to whine and bitch about it, mm-hmm. and to be blaming other people for it. And uh, so, no, listen, first of all, he caused the problems to begin with. But even if he didn't, and he did, but even if he didn't, you don't cry, you don't complain. You go out and you address it. I mean, Roosevelt did it. Reagan did it. Kennedy did it. Certainly Donald Trump did it. You go out there and you address it. You don't whine. You don't complain. You don't try to uh, pass the uh, uh, blame on to other people. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, it's, it's really a lack of leadership. It's a, to me, it's a moral weakness. By the way, uh, that moron Eric Adams thinks he's doing a really good job, at least with gun control and other spots. He's actually referred to himself as the Biden of Brooklyn. That's your mayor, Eric Adams. But I want to stick with Biden. Uh, you, you look at yeah. the situation, political NBC, they've done a report African-Americans in the White House leaving by the droves. Latinos now are turning Republican by the day. Uh, It just seems like everybody has had enough with Joe Biden. But here's the bigger question. Does that mean, in your opinion, that Democrats will switch? Or, Or does it mean that Democrats just realize he's no good but are still ready, willing, and able to vote for the next Democrat nominee? I think if you ask Democrats, honestly, they would prefer to run somebody else. I don't know who they have in mind because any of the names you hear, one is worse than the other. But I, I, I do think that they realize what a liability Biden is. They don't know how to ease him out. That, uh, they don't know how to run somebody else. And also, they have their own civil war going on. I mean, you have the AOC crowd is going against anyone who's not 100 percent left wing. They go against them. Now, I have a good friend in the Democratic Party, Henry Cuellar. He's the Democratic congressman along the border who is pro-life. He's also very strong to have uh, uh, strong immigration policies. And they went after him now two primaries in a row, spent millions and millions of dollars against him. I spoke to him the other day. It looks as if he's going to win that. I don't know if the final count is in yet. But, I mean, that's an example. Anyone who at all deviates from the party line, you have the left wing going after them. So I think that right now they are on a train ride to disaster because they have nowhere to go and they're killing each other. It's the worst of all worlds. And I just hope Republicans can maximize that and take advantage of it and let us not do anything to unify the Democrats or to take the, you know, the heat off the Democrats. Let's focus, uh, just go after Joe Biden, go after the Democrats in Congress and win these elections in November. And then any internal fights we have, we can do it later on. But let's us stay united between now and November and let the Democrats kill each other off. They really are in a mess and don't know how to get out of it. That's the problem. Yeah, oh man, I couldn't agree with you more, Congressman King. Do not step that. Do not stop them from uh, uh, committing suicide, which is what they're doing. And uh, yeah, any any distraction, like for example, this uh, Roe v. Wade thing, which wasn't anybody's fault. It just came up, you know, in the course of events. But do not let this distract you from their failures, because that's what's going to win you the election, uh, Congressman Peter King. Speaking of which, uh, there's, uh, nobody caused this, but the, uh, the Uvalde massacre, of course, is out there. And, and as, as usual, in the wake of these terrible uh, massacres, you have this gun control debate. And it doesn't seem like anything, well, nothing ever gets done. It doesn't seem like anything will get done. Maybe a red flag law, maybe a, a expanded background check. Well, what do you think is going to happen in all this? I, I don't know if anything's going to happen. Listen, I, I do support banning assault weapons. I think... Uh... Uh, it's, that would maybe only solve 1% to 2% of the overall issue, but 
you know, those kids in Texas might be alive today with that. I would rather take that issue off the table, get it done, and then address the issue of more support for the police, more hardening of the schools, more going into mental health. And it's, I hate to make this like each, each side has to get everything they want or, or nothing. I would say on the assault weapons, either ban them or limit them or do something, raise the age, but then go on to the other issues that I think affect more than anything else. And that's, again, have better training at the schools. Have, uh, For instance, now with, with the cops down there, everyone agrees the cops did the wrong thing. I was talking to a cop last night, though, who's been involved in those type operations, and he doesn't think they were prepared. For instance, those doors, the, those doors open out, and it's very hard to knock them down. Were, were they trained for how you're going to crash into a room when the door is locked from, you know, inside out? I doubt uh, it. So it, it, it seems to me that... One thing I learned in New York after 9-11, you have to have an incident commander. You have to have someone who's in charge. No one knows exactly what's going on. And you can't have all these different police departments and then have one guy who has a police department of four people making, you know, making the decisions. It should have had an experienced guy. They should have gone through maneuvers. How do we get into a, a, a door like this in time so it's not going to cause more death? It's not going to cause more kids to be killed? I think as, as much as we blame the cops for what they did that day, I think a lot of it is really proper training, knowing how to handle each specific school, how are you going to get in there without uh, spending un- uh, undue time? Agreed. And again, as I said, uh, for days now, you can train all you want, you know, human to humans, and every now and then people freeze in those situations, and, you know, that's not a good answer. Like Bernie said all morning long, they're trained to do it, but just because they're trained to do it doesn't mean they're yeah, capable of doing it. We've sort of gotten spoiled here in New York. Like, right, exactly. Yeah. Ex- that's my yeah, point all day. Wait, right, right. But- you don't freeze for, uh, you know, an hour. You freeze in the moment, but you don't freeze for an hour. Well, for but it sense. becomes too late at that point, and now, they're, now tactically they're in a mess. But, again, I, I just – there's a lot that goes into it, and uh, we'll see what happens. If they're wrong, they're wrong. Uh, I will say this, Peter. You uh, not only uh, were a great politician, you're great on WABC. You're tremendous on this show. You're, you're doing this dinner tomorrow night for a local politician. You get involved in so many things, and here's another thing you're doing these days – turns out you've been named to the advisory board of an initiative called Save the Game. Tell us about that, Peter King. Yeah, this is a bunch of guys, John Cirillo, uh, you know, that you know, also uh, Fred Cambria, former player for the Pirates, is a good friend of mine. And he and a bunch of guys really feel that baseball has to be brought back. But right now, young people have lost interest in it. Now, you mentioned before how important baseball was after 9-11. Yes. Uh, I don't know if, that, if they could have that same impact today as they did then. When I am uh, look back on my childhood, my early years, I almost defined every year by how the Brooklyn Dodgers did. I mean, baseball was so much a part of our life. And then, by the way, kid. didn't you grow up right across the street from Ebbets Field or right around there? I went to high school near Ebbets Field. Yes. Yeah, and I could see them tearing it down from my classroom window. Which was really uh, That's when I really, you know, fully realized that life was lousy when I saw that happen. <laughs> I believe it, my God. Yeah, but, that uh, sucks. Now, see, the idea is find a way to get kids interested again. I mean, listen, I don't follow the NBA. I have a hard time following the NFL. I would love to see kids getting more involved in baseball. But the game now, it takes, first of all, the game starts so late. They go in three or four hours. It costs like two or 300 bucks to take your family to a baseball game. It used to be 75 cents a dollar. Listen, we're not going back to the old days, but let's do something to get young kids and families more involved in it. Uh, if there's some way they can even maybe adjust the rules a bit to make it that uh, opposite field hitting, bunting, uh, uh, hit and run, all of that comes back rather than just putting everything into the long ball. So anyway, I don't know if we have the answers, but I just would like to find some way also get Major League Baseball more involved in local communities. Because right now, so often it looks like a big business. Players come and go. Uh, teams sell their franchises. It's uh, yeah. uh, So and anyway, I, I don't have the answers, but these guys are really dedicated. Mm-hmm. 
They're hardworking. They want to find a way. They want to be able to meet with Manfred and organize baseball, uh, you know, Angel League baseball, and somehow get it back into the communities, get kids interested. Well, I uh, will say this. It's an expensive endeavor. I mean, Bernie and Peter, you know this. You get a couple of yeah. kids. You, you, you buy a basketball for $14, and you keep, you know, six, eight, ten kids busy for five hours. Baseball, you got to buy gloves, you got to buy bats, you got to buy equipment, you need nine guys. Yeah. So it becomes very expensive. You can't just grab one friend to go play a baseball game like basketball. So there's a lot that goes against having baseball thrive in an urban community, which includes money, which is not cheap. I mean, when I was a kid, we had uh, local baseball teams. Most of them we formed ourselves. First time I was in an organized uh, a league was the PAL. And the coach had a big duffel bag, and he'd jump it out on the day of the game. You got your captain's glove, your captain's mitt, yep. shin guards was all in there. There was one like cardboard helmet that we all wore. It was like <laughs> some kind of rubber bands across the top. And my grandson started playing a few years ago. I couldn't believe it. Bats cost like 200 bucks. Each right. kid has his own custom-made batting helmet. It was incredible. I mean, it's just uh, you're right. That's be some way to bring it back. It used to be the poor man's sport. Every kid could play baseball. You had a glove for three bucks. You went down to the local schoolyard, the local park. And you can even variation of stickball, curveball, punchball, all of that. Now it's uh, and the parents show up and they carry on. They're like crazy. And it's uh, <laughs> yeah. And it's got to be brand, it's got to be brand name stuff, too. It can't just be, you know, some generic right piece of equipment or else. I don't want that. You're right. No, it has to be Wilson or Easton, like yeah. uh, Peter just said, or one of these. All right. So we'll, we'll help you with that. Uh, you're great. I can't wait to see you tomorrow night. And thank you for another incredible appearance on the Bernie and Sid Show. Pete King, you're the best. No, thank you, guys. God bless America. Thank you, guys. Yes, sir. God bless you.